I want to read a passage to you this morning. We are still in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 4. You're welcome to turn there with me. The book of Mark in chapter 4. Very, very well-known portion of this chapter. And actually something that we, that we often quote or talk about. Not necessarily the scripture itself. But we often talk about the fact that Jesus calms the storm. We reference that a lot. Somebody goes through a difficult time or so, and we speak about that. We refer to that. Now, I want to read this passage to you, the book of Mark, chapter 4, and I want to remind you this is after a very, very difficult and long day that Jesus had, which started with the Pharisees saying to him that he's driving out demons because of the fact that he himself is in, in line with Beelzebub, and he does that without authority. After that, his parents came, his family, and they literally stepped in. They, they intervened. Scripture says they thought he was a little bit out of his mind and they wanted to take him home. <laughs> that, that is, that, that's the kind of day he had. Um, that's what happened with his family. And then after that, he ministered to a lot of people in a home. They questioned him and, and some tried to catch him out on things, and then he moved to the Sea of Galilee as we ministered last. I'm going to start sharing with them this parable of the sower. Sower sowing the good seed and, and the different kinds of soil. And there were so many people there that Jesus had to minister from the lake. You remember that? That's a tough day. Really a tough day. It's a day that just takes everything out of you. Yes? You might think to yourself, yeah, but it was, it was Jesus. You know, Jesus is a little bit different, but Jesus was fully God, but also fully man. And he, um, he chose to come and live amongst us in a body just like ours. Now let me ask you that kind of a day, will it wear you out? What do you think? How do you think you'll feel after a day where people call you a devil? Those that you are trying just to help. They call you a devil and your, your family thinks you're crazy. I said, don't worry, we'll take him home. <laughs> you can go read it. And uh, you're ministering, and there's crowds are so much, you've got to minister from the water. No wonder that at the end of this day, in verse 35, it says, that day, that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. So he's, he's, he's on the boat, ministering. He's not even getting off onto the shore, just saying, okay, let's, let's go to the other side. <laughs> Jesus just, I, I, don't, I don't think there was a lot of energy left for the crowd. Well, especially not in his, in his mortal body. So he said, let, let, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind. Do you think it's coincidental that it says, leaving the crowd behind? Now, where, who do you think the crowd wanted? They wanted Jesus, so much so that he had to distance himself a little bit on the water. They wanted Jesus. He left the crowd behind. And just as he was, uh, sorry, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. In other words, he didn't prepare to go on this trip. Took him just as he was in the boat. 
And there were also other boats with him. So some guys were seeing, he's going to leave that way, you know, let's get a boat they're going with. All right, so there's other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be quiet or quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So far, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make your word alive in us and to us. We pray that your word that you give and you bring will in our hearts do exactly what you send it out to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I explained to you a little bit about how difficult this day was, a challenging day. So much so that Jesus was pretty tired of the crowds and everybody else. He was just literally tired, drained. He said, okay, let's go to the other side. And they took him just as he was. After ministering the whole day, they took him just as he was on the boat, and some boats followed them. So while all of this was happening, this evening of this challenging day, you would think, that it would be a time of rest. So Jesus did what was necessary. He took a cushion. I don't know how comfortable the cushion is that you find on a boat, but he took the cushion, and in the boat, you know that it wasn't the kind of boat that we have today, right? Just for in case, just go Google it a bit. Look at what the kinds of boats, that, that's just, wood and some uh, safety gear which would include a oar <laughs> yes and uh, there's not a lot of space in a boat like that on a fisherman's boat it's it's rigged for fishing it's not they're not taking a cruise but Jesus got a pillow he was tired got a cushion so he slept Jesus was sleeping and this squall came up in the Sea of Galilee. It's actually very renowned for some strong storms, squalls, because the warm, hot air would move into the mountains and up the mountains and the cool air would drop down on this Lake of Galilee and you would find, in moments, you would find a storm coming up that literally on this lake, the sea, your life would be in danger. This is exactly what happened to them. It literally says this, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now hear this. This passage, a small little passage of Jesus going to the other side after a weary day, challenging day, being tired, leaving with these disciples, finding themselves in the storm, this passage is not in the Bible for nothing. Let me settle that from the beginning. It's there for a reason. Yes? 
Not today when we read it. From the beginning we think, okay, listen, this is, this is, they learned a good lesson from it. And, and we've got different lessons in our head that we think they've learned. But we think, okay, the disciples learned from this. But, but let me say from, from their perspective, being on the boat with Jesus, Jesus sleeping because he's tired, the squall there, water breaking over the boat, Jesus still sleeping. From their perspective, I don't think the first thing that came to their mind was, geez, we are learning a valuable lesson. <laughs> you know why you laugh? Because it's true. When you're learning a very valuable lesson, when you're being taught by the one that can teach, not only through his words, but through what you experience, the last thing you think of in the beginning is, Oh, what a wonderful sermon the master is building into my life. Because you see the waves. You're worrying about the boat. You feel that you, everything is just against you. There's a, there's a lesson to be learned from a storm. There's a lesson to be learned from every storm. See, the storm teaches us, just the storm itself. There's a few teaching moments. There's a few things that, are, that Jesus is building into their lives. They had no idea that God was teaching them. They had no idea that God was teaching them about the power of the one that has all authority. They had no idea about that. They just saw the storm. You see, the thing is, this, this storm, was essential to their development as disciples. God knew it. They did not. Now, if that storm was part of their spiritual development and part of their spiritual growth, I think it's fair to say that, that we've got to at least know that if it's in the Bible... And it's here for us to read today, then at least we've got to acknowledge that storms are part of the process of spiritual growth. Let's settle that from the beginning. But we don't like to say amen to that, but it's there. It's there that after this tiresome day, I don't think they had a very good day as well, a wonderful day with Jesus teaching. But also a challenging day. They almost got, Jesus got taken from them and if, if his family is taking him, where are we going to go? You understand what I'm saying? They also had a few challenges and now the squall is coming up and now they, they think they're, gonna, they're not going to make it. Jesus is sleeping. They're not th thinking teaching moment. Heads up. They're thinking, hey, you better move that bucket quicker, buddy. <laughs> Do your bit. I can guarantee you somebody like Peter would say, hey, help. <laughs> He's not going to be the one, you know, just wondering what's going on. He knows. He's a fisherman. If the water broke, breaks over the boat, you are going down. And they're worrying about this storm that is all around them. The fact of the matter is this, that the storms of our life, the storms in our lives, Every single storm contributes to our spiritual development. 
without storms, without challenges in our lives, we'll be spiritual dwarfs, little pygmies, infatuated with why everything is going so well. Being all about ourselves. Fortunately or unfortunately, that's the reality. If there's no storms, if there's no challenges, we will be always just be infatuated with us. We'll be insufferable, self-centered, proud, empty people. Hello? No, Peter, that's not true. Let me make it practical. How many of you, when you appoint somebody at work and they start their first week and they always have advice about how to change things, yes? <laughs> Is it just me that experienced that? New people always have ideas about how the company should be run better. Uh-huh. Isn't it so? How many of you go, you tell us. We'll change things. Why not? Because they don't even know what they don't know. They might think they know everything. Okay, some of you still have an empty expression. How many of you take the wonderful advice your teenagers give you? Moment by moment, without even asking, they give you advice. Life, <laughs> life's best lessons. Dad, why didn't you just listen to me? I mean, I've got all the answers. Parents? Yeah, it, Man, I should have listened to you a long time ago. You've got all the answers. We should actually ask all the answers to our teenagers while they have them. (laughs) Isn't it so? Because they've got all the answers to life's questions. So that's how practical it is. Do you really think God's going to let us go through, through life's journey as adolescent Christians knowing everything? Don't worry, I'll share with you. If you've never been through a storm, never faced the winter, don't try to explain to somebody else how to endure a winter. Oh, we don't like sermons like these. Well, you better buckle up. You see, we don't have the desire. We don't go, Lord, would you please just, can I get in the boat? I know there's a storm ahead. Can I get in the boat? I know we learn a lot of lessons in the storm. Nobody prays that. God, I really need a storm again. I can see. (laughs) Don't worry. Luckily, he really does know everything, so he never asks your advice about when you're ready for the next one. Hello? He knows. So he teaches us. Just... In short, just for those that, I can just feel someone saying, oh, you, you make, we don't know if you're getting this right. Let me just ask you, do you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm? Yeah, yeah so deal with that. <laughs> the storm continued with all its violence. The sails were in rags. Everything was awash. And we, I mean, the disciples are honestly They are telling one another, listen, shape up, buddy, come on out. And where was Jesus? Jesus is sleeping. The most amazing thing is the water is coming over the boat and he's still sleeping. He must have really, he must really have been tired. 
So think about it. Okay, he's teaching them a lesson. I really don't think Jesus was going, I'm awake, but let me see what they're going to do. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I just think it's really just that this body, you know, I mean, this body is tired. So I've got to, I've got to rest this body and sleep. Obviously, he knew a lot of things they did not. Right? We'll get to that now. So don't worry, we'll get there. But Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The Lord was fast asleep on hard boards with their little cushion. As I said, he must have been really tired. And he remained asleep. He remained asleep. No matter what was going on, everybody falling over one another to keep the boat afloat, he remained asleep. Until when? He was not throwing water out, running around like them. In that moment, Jesus was still sleeping in his weary body. Isn't it astonishing that we know what's coming because we've read the story. We know that in a moment, the greatest authority ever displayed in those disciples' lives is gonna happen through Jesus. And in this moment, just before that moment, he's sleeping, resting. Isn't it astonishing the weakness and the authority, the calm and the power, all in one package, not at odds with one another? Jesus sleeping. See, the main thing here is that the disciples, for the disciples, we can think about all these wonderful things happening, but for them, they only had one experience. Jesus is sleeping and we are going under. That's, they just felt, listen, he's not, he's not attentive to our plight. We are going under and he's not, he does not care. Hello, he said, Peter, you put it a bit strong. No, it's, it's not me. They said, Lord, don't you care that we are going under? This, the, the disciples thought that he's not listening. He's not there. He doesn't care. Their perception of him at that moment is the same perception. And all of us go, sure, yes, yeah. But their perception is the same perception we have when we're going through our storms. Now, Peter, I always know the Lord is with me. Yeah, I, I hear it. I always hear people say, don't worry, things are going right, but God's got me, Peter, don't worry. No. We've got the same perception every now and again. Lord, you're not caring. Don't you see what I'm going through? I'm going under, and it feels to me like you're asleep in my challenge. That's what they perceive. That's what we perceive so many times when we go through challenge. But listen, that we so often mistakenly conclude that we are alone. You are not alone. Jesus is in the boat. 
And in their greatest affliction, in their greatest turmoil, thinking that they're going to die, they remembered, listen, he's asleep. He's not helping. He's not doing anything, but he's here. So somebody's got to do what? Go wake him up. Here's the part that blessed me so much. I read this so many times. I've, I've ministered this so many times. But, but this part, when I was preparing for this morning, this part got me. Jesus did not wake up because it was uncomfortable. He did not wake up because the cushion was too small or too hard or too this or that. He did not even wake up when he got wet. He got wet. The water was over the boat. But he slept. But when they said, Lord, we need you, he woke up. The desire and the longing and the desperate cry of God's people has more authority and has the ability to wake up what the storms cannot. Jesus is in the boat in the moment said, they said, Lord, I don't know if they sh- shook him or what they did, but I know this. When they woke him up, he woke up. He stood up. Oftenly, we also mistake and mistakenly think that Jesus is not in our situation. Now, let me share this with you, how wrong we are. See, at that moment, think about God's creation. How much of heaven's attention do you think in that moment was on that boat on the Lake of Galilee? Jesus was in that boat. The disciples was in that boat. Those that would lead the church in future was in that boat. How much of God's attention do you think was on that boat in that moment? How much of heaven's attention was on that boat? They did not perceive it, but all of heaven was watching. Wait, wait, wait. They're going to wake him up now. Wait, wait. And Jesus woke up. You see, it's important that we learn, that we learn from the storms, that we learn that we are never alone, and that we learn that when we say, when we ask, when we say, Lord, we, we feel alone, we need you, he's there. But we don't only learn from the storms in our lives. We also learn from what happens with the storm. See, we also need to learn from this calm. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? As I said, it's very much the same way we feel. How many times? But he got up. He rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Literally, he said to the storm, be muzzled. It would be the same thing as you were to say to a dog. Shush. Quiet. Be muzzled. Stop it now. And the storm stopped. Listen to this. The wind died down and it was completely calm. Now quickly put yourself in their situation. They are fighting for their lives. They're struggling. They think they're going to die. They wake Jesus up. Jesus gets up and says, be quiet. And in a moment, all three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Paul said, immediately, there was a deadly calm. Let me ask you, do you remember there were some other boats with them? 
Yeah? I don't know if they were bigger or smaller, but I would think they're about other the same size or smaller because they're just following Jesus. So they were experiencing the storm. The disciples saw Jesus got up and said, be quiet, so the storm was quiet. Guess what? If the storm is quiet, there's no more commotion on the boat. Nobody's attention is on the storm any longer. Because when he rebukes a storm and the storm ceases and becomes dead quiet, what a way for Jesus to say, uh, can I have your attention? I want to share something. Just to say to the storm, be quiet. I promise you this, there was no eye or ear in the boat or around the boat in the other boats that were not focused on, on him. <laughs> what is this? They were not afraid of the storm anymore because the storm is done. Their attention shifted to him. You see, because they did not know this, but the one sleeping in the boat is the creator of all things. He knew it. They did not. So when he got up and he calmed the storm, he knew who he was. He, we know today all power, all authority belongs to him, but they needed to learn that still. And in that moment, in that split second of fighting for their lives and then seeing a calm storm, they learned what Paul wrote. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter one. There's so many scriptures sharing this and saying this, but I want to read this to you. In Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to quickly go there because I don't just want to quote pieces of it here. Colossians chapter 1 says this. From verse nine, for this reason, since the day we, no, 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 sorry. I'm in the wrong, wrong place, here we go. From verse 15, the supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. In Him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. This is Jesus. And He was in the boat. In a moment, when the storm calmed down, they knew. And I'll say this clearly so that you don't forget. They knew that Jesus does not obey the storm. Storms obey him. He's not afraid of your storm. He's not confused by your storm. He's not subjected to your storm. Every storm is subjected surrendered to him. He is the ultimate authority. He holds all things together. All things were created by him and for him. You say, but did someone, do you, do you want to say the storm is up? 
Did they learn from the storm? Yes. Did he know the storm was going to be there? Yes. But if you say that, that means that some of the storms, Jesus allows those storms. Hey, you make, you make the connection the way you want. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is our goal. See, in this boat, Peter learned that storms is very valuable in teaching you about him. Later, Peter wrote that we should welcome storms, trials and tribulation like friends because they mature us. He knew, he learned his storm theology. Peter didn't learn his storm theology from somebody preaching to him. He learned his storm theology in a storm. Why don't you listen to your adolescent when they tell you how to run your home? Because they don't know. <laughs> they, they never ran a home themselves yet. Yes? But somebody that's been in a storm, if somebody that was in a storm, knowing that Jesus is in the storm, went through the storm, almost died, but made it through the storm. You can listen to Peter when Peter says, Peter, how should I feel when there's a storm? And Don't worry about it. Storms, you learn from storms. What should I do with the storm? Peter says, welcome them. Hello, storm. See, because my God is the authority above every storm. I want to show you something. The moment... Jesus calmed the storm and their attention was in him. He said this. This is the third thing we've got to learn from. We learn from storms. We learn from the calm what happens when the storms calm down. But we also learn from his instruction, what he said to them. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. Let me ask you, were they afraid when the storm calmed down? And I'll ask you again. Were the disciples afraid when the storm was no more? Wrong. Wrong. Jesus said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Please read with me. They were terrified. They were terrified. Do you know that in the whole storm, it doesn't say they were terrified of the, of the storm. It says they were afraid. Stronger exclamation on their fear. If you think they were afraid before the time when the storm was on, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. Now one, this, this Jesus that they are with stands up and says, be quiet, Poof. storm gone. They were terrified. Asking each other what? Who is this? Who is this? Now, here's an illness of our time. The challenge we have with storms and learning from storms is the fact that we do not 
understand the authority of God and who He is. If you're not, if you don't fear God, you will fear everything else. If you know who's in the boat, the storm can do what it wants. Because you know, we shouldn't be afraid of God. Not according to my Bible. My Bible says, fear God about 366 times. Go read it. Yeah? Fear God. Those who fear God. Fear God. Said, no, Peter, that's Old Testament. I don't know what you're going to do with Hebrews 12, saying our God is a consuming fire. Saying if the Old Testament, God was fearful, shaking everything. Then in the New Testament, he shakes everything and we should listen and hear. You see, the thing is, God is showing us who he is. If we forget who he is, we will fall around in a storm trying to move buckets around, trying to throw stuff out, trying to blame. You're not doing your bit. You've got to throw it. It's you. I told you we shouldn't be going this way. We should have, we should have gone closer to the shore. Fights and quarrels will start. You'll have lots of things. But if you know that there's only one authority above all authorities and it's him, they were terrified asking each other, who is this? Why did they do that? Because who is this that he would even tell the winds to calm down, to die down? And the wind listens to him. Yes? Let me ask you. Simple question, not rhetorical. Do you believe in his power? Oh, but you are enthusiastic this morning. Do you believe? Okay, let me start at the bottom. Do you believe that Jesus is the truth? Not only does he speak the truth, he is the truth. Jesus said to his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples. Yes? Do we believe Jesus to be truthful? Do we believe scripture to be truthful? If it says there's no authority above him, he's the highest authority. Do we believe it when Paul writes it, when Peter writes it, that he is the highest authority? I'll ask you again, do you believe in the power of Jesus. Because if we believe in the power of Jesus, the question is relevant that Jesus asked them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? No faith in what? No faith in that he can calm the storm. No, no faith in his power, his authority. Do we still believe that Jesus is who he says he is? That's the question. Do we still believe Jesus is the son of God? Do we still believe everything that was created was created by him, for him, and for his purpose? If we do, do we still believe the simple truth that he said, you will never be alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not rhetorical. Do you still believe that Jesus is with you? God is with you through his spirit. Do, you, do, do we believe that? Because this is why we're all here, isn't it? So if we believe that, are we not then learning the same lesson? 
I know none of you are going through storms, I know, but, but just if you're facing a storm, I want to ask you at the moment, do you believe? Because if you do, no storm has anything it can take from you because he and his authority is over you, with you, and for you. So, Piet, what we've been through a lot of storms. L- listen, listen very carefully. God will sustain you. It's not my word, it's his, his word. Even death for you has no sting. So, Piet, that's taken it a bit too far. No, I'm just reading scriptures. Scripture says death has no sting. It says the grave has no hold on us. Come on. I'm not going to end this until we acknowledge this. God says, do not be afraid of anything. You want to know authority? It's His authority. No challenge, no storm. He's the authority. Fear, unfortunately, is a human endemic at the moment. Fear is everywhere. People are afraid of this, afraid of that. They're afraid of tomorrow. They're afraid of yesterday. They're afraid of today. They're afraid of the dark. They're afraid of too much light. They're afraid of what's happening. They're afraid of what might happen. They're even afraid of what could have happened. I mean, that's past. That's gone. But we're even afraid of what might have been. Hello? Hello? This is a lesson in Jesus teaching his disciples, do not be afraid. Why are you afraid? I will be unfaithful to this scripture if I don't ask you the question Jesus asked. Or am I wrong? Jesus asked one question in this passage. Why are you so afraid? Is this lesson relevant for today? Then the question is as well. Why are you so afraid? Perhaps today we are so fearful because we we forget who he is. We forget what he said. We forget he's in the boat. So what should we do? Now, practically, just sum it up for us before I pray for us. What should we do? Understand, first and foremost, that storms will be part of your life. Hello? Yes? Understand that from storms, you learn and grow. You learn very valuable lessons. The disciples learned that day in the boat that the storm is not the thing to be feared. He is. Hello? Yes? We learn from storms. We should also understand and believe that through storms and afflictions, hardships, challenges, that we grow. We don't only learn, we grow from them. And please remember that even though you feel Jesus is sleeping, don't think he he doesn't know what you're going through. Yes? He just never forgets who he is. Me and you in the middle of that storm have a bit of a challenge, but he knows who he is. 
Amen? And He knows who you are. Know that He is completely capable of delivering you. Please look at me when I say that. I want to say this so that you hear this. Please know that God is completely capable of delivering you from whatever it is that you are afraid of at the moment or concerned about. Hello? Yes? Also, know that He is in the boat with you. He's in the boat with you. Might say, Peter, but is it? no, no, no. He is in you. He's in you. He's in you. Please know this that fear and faith cannot. Fear and faith is, is basically belief in the opposite direction. Faith is knowing that God will sustain me. Fear is being scared that he won't. That's it. So can I simply say, after this whole passage, Jesus taught them that he is faithful. Believe. Remember this question as we close this service. And ask Joshua to come forward to do the announcements. Remember this sermon. And remember this question. Each and every one individually. Why are you so afraid? And if you're not afraid, that's all good. If this is not a lesson for you. Maybe then he's sharing it with, with you so that you can share it with somebody else. But Jesus' question to you and me today is why are you so afraid? If you know who I am, why are you so afraid? If you know what I'm capable of, why are you so afraid? If you know what I've done, why are you so afraid? If you know what's going to happen, why are you so afraid? If you know what lies ahead for you, why are you so afraid? If you know that I'm, I keep my promises, why are you so afraid? If you know that you'll never be alone, why are you so afraid? Answer that question for yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. He wasn't hard on them. Why are you so afraid? Stop. Stop being so afraid. Find yourself today where they found themselves. Find yourself at that place where you look at Him. Say, actually, this God of ours, He's an awesome God. Sometimes He's a bit terrifying. He tells a storm, listen, quiet down and it just happens. It's, it's astonishing. It's something to behold. Yes? Why are you so afraid? Let's pray.
Father, I pray this morning that you would help us as we see you and your disciples as we look upon that lake, Sea of Galilee. And we can at at the back end of it, look back at it and see you and the disciples there in the boat. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see our own lives, to see our own situations. And you would help us to understand who you are and what you are capable of. What you've done, what you're doing, and what you've promised. And with my brothers and sisters, Lord, I, we, we just want to end this morning say, Lord, we believe. We believe in you. We believe in you. We believe in you. This is at the very center of our faith. We believe in you. If you just keep your eyes closed, I ask Lisa just to sing those words for us. Jesus, I believe. situation that seems so dark. Pray, Lord, that you would just lift our eyes and help us, Lord, to lift our heads.